Hello and welcome to episode 177 of The Great and Crowbar. My name is Chris Thurston and tonight I'm joined by Alex Wiltshire. Good evening. And John Roberts. Hello. Good evening, gentlemen. Good how, evening. How are you? I'm all right. I'm surrounded by guests. Guests are go-go this week at The Great and Crowbar due to Pip's GDC prep and uh, Tom Senior forgetting that he had a gig to go to. <laughs> Who's he going to see? I don't know. Silly old Coldplay. Tom. Yeah, probably. Knowing him, he loves them. Can't get enough of them. Imagining him there, <laughs> waving his lighter, weeping unconsolably. <laughs> Seven out of ten of bands. Yeah, indeed. They are the six out of ten THQ action <laughs> game of bands. <laughs> so he digs them. Digs them a lot. Um, speaking of, of, of GDC, actually, are either of you going as developers? Or? No, I'm crying. You're crying? No, I'm not going. I want to. Love GDC. Hmm. You know, I've never been. It's lovely. I hear that. Every every year. Every year. <laughs> I'd like to go one year, but there's a lot of parties. It feels like a lot of work. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just but you don't you don't go you don't go to the conference. You don't need to buy a conference pass. You can simply just be in the area and that's GDC. <laughs> it's just like a local thing. You're just absorbing it. Yeah. No, those are events and things on. Um or you can just go to the indie bit first couple of days that's a cheaper pass mm. Mm. lots of ways to do gdc <laughs> you sound like a kind of old glastonbury hand kind yeah, of explaining like, like you just hop the bit. fence <laughs> and then a, a man called baggy will hide you <laughs> and you get to see Coldplay. um no so i'm not going this year pip is and so so we will be sans sans pip for an extra week after this one uh but after that we're all back to normal john you've been you've been working with tom F. Still, because yes. you work in heat signature, because that's literally yes. what you do that's, for a living. It continues forever. How's it going? How's everything heat sig related? Uh, great. Um, Tom's time in uh, Seattle has really kind of accelerated stuff, especially since he's working with, uh, I don't want to say an, a real coder. <laughs> you but... can say that. He's really far away <laughs> and also your employer. But no, a, a proper real um uh, coder who Tom can offload a lot of the um, basic fiddling and quality of life stuff and that sort of thing while he puts exciting new um, knives in the game. <laughs> he's just focusing on knives. It's just being in the same building as Gabe Newell yeah, giving him this real hot new appreciation for knives. <laughs> yeah, I just finished um, a set of new animations for uh, melee attacks and stuff which is fun uh, and I got to wave um, various prop swords around in my house uh, trying to work out exactly how these guys would swing. Have you uh, been videoing out. yourself doing it? Uh, no, because then there'd be evidence. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. So how do you, how do you make use of that material? Do you just like, you know, do you think, oh, swinging that made me feel this way? And so yeah, I, I to... feel particularly cool when I hold the sword like this. <laughs> do you make sound effects? It's quite hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sound effect for a knife? It's kind of like a shink. Okay, it's more of like a yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I would always have thought that as a sort of an unsheathing sound. Yeah. Right. But we're we're all aware that cheese didn't have metal in, right? Yeah. Yeah, they just went shh as it came out of a leather or wood sheath. Right. But in the future, but yeah, but with future, but in, the future you, in the future you'd have a as, tin one as right? you withdraw your nano blade from its quantum sheath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would make <laughs> it goes shing. Go shing. <laughs> Quite because of the particles. Yeah. Yeah. When they rub up against each other. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was just sending him like a bunch. You of sure test you have cases. a video yourself? I'm gonna go through your phone. <laughs> I sent him a bunch of test cases, and I got uh, one of my briefs was the knife is a fast attack weapon. Uh, it needs to be able to attack once every zero point one seconds. And how do you animate for that's 0.1 just, seconds? Like with a very few amount of frames, and we run at like sixty frames a second, and then we have slow mo on top of that, so it's going to work in that situation. But when you just play that animation on loop and it's like the flash punching someone <laughs> he might like scale things back a little bit after that right do you, feel, do you feel quite violent after a day of looking at like repeating punching animations yeah it's it's a nice thing to get into every now and then. you have to work up to it you, you paint a lot of rocks and then you go and do like punching animations and you get some really vigorous stuff so hang on is this is this tom scaling up from gunpoint's punching because gunpoint had extremely rapid yeah you know smacking a downed man in the face yeah forever heat signature has infinite stabbing i don't know what run out people to stab okay yeah Uh, (laughs) it's it's the latest kind of system we're working on so everything's subject to change um but there's a bunch of melee weapons which will allow you to different to do different things and in a stealth game uh melee weapons are great uh, especially uh, with our lunge system, which uh, lets you kind of throw yourself at enemies. You bet it does. Nice. <laughs> Everyone could do it with a nice lunge system. I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're taking this not in the spirit that it was meant, Alex. <laughs> I was genuinely interested, Chris. No, I was too. I mean, I, I you know, I just, I love, uh, lunging is funny. There's no getting around that. <laughs> you know, there just isn't. So lazy developer, when are you going to finish this darn thing? Wow. <laughs> uh, well, I'm technically a freelancer, so I should be trying to extract as much work out of Tom as possible. That's true. Keep mm. it going. But I think, I think I've got a, 10 more lunge animations. <laughs> I think I can Tom. probably get another six stabs into this it's, nanosecond. It's really important. We need this variation. It's going to sell the whole concept. It'll be great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, genuinely looking forward to seeing what state it's in when yeah when tom returns from his odyssey it's obviously shilling coming from me but it's got to that special state in all games development where you can play at lunchtime and have fun right which is super great and but based on my own experience that's when a third of all projects i work on get cancelled (laughs) you just got this sense of dread (laughs) (laughs) this is so fun it's gonna get cancelled who knows he'll come back from seattle and say making an rts I want to go into VR. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make VR knife games now forever. It's actually kind of ironic who I've been playing this week, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so a lot of this week's other news has revolved around, um, well, essentially, I think a Mass Effect embargo lifting and and a lot of information spilling out onto the internet. A tidal wave of aliens banging, um, which Bioware have been surprisingly open about now. They've... Um, They've not really, they're not really beating around that particular, the bush anymore, what those games are actually, actually really about. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I think it was their Valentine's Day tweet. Oh, no. It was great. It was just a mock up of the next Mass Effect novel and and framed as the the announcement of the next Mass Effect novel. And the title of the book was just Pretty Good Banging, a Mass Effect (laughs) novel. (laughs) Um, So I'm glad that they know what's going on. Uh, For me, this is the beginning of actually probably getting excited that there's a, there's a, Mm. a big, not only a big Bioware RPG, but a Mass Effect sequel only a couple of weeks away or a month away at the time that we're recording this. Are you excited? Question mark. I am. Yeah. I'm genuinely excited to the point of, um, going dark. Yeah. Uh, which is 
terrible thing to do for a podcast. No, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. But I think um, there was lots of stuff popping up today about the first hour in Mass Effect and lots of story stuff. And I kind of skimmed over everything and it sounds like um, the combat is smoother and better, which I guess is good. Um, I really it's only a pretty good action game, Mass Effect. So, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed Mass Effect 3, especially the multiplayer. Um, just the fact that their combat system could support that kind of co-op wave thing meant it had chops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so polishing things up and adding a jetpack to the mix uh, sounds pretty good. Um, beyond that, uh, I'm trying to avoid as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, same. I think um, I'm... I, I guess because it's not attached to a story I was already already sort of into, I don't have that kind of like the fear I associate with waiting for a previous Mass Effect sequel, the kind of is this going to be the bad one? I don't think it's going to be the... I don't think it's going to be disappointing. Hopefully it won't. I like Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, but yeah, I think I'm now I'm letting myself get, mm. you know... Swept. Get swept away in mm. the, the majesty of beepity-boopity galaxy menus. That's all I want. <laughs> My only worry about... Um, the storyline in particular is when did that um, EA survey leak? Was that like four years ago, five years ago? Yeah, that was accurate. And that was accurate. So things have been in place for five years or so. What was that in the survey? Uh, the names of characters, the basic premise of the plot, and it's all turned out to be true. Wow. And that makes yeah. me a little worried. That feels a lot kind of designed by committee to me. They do that for every game. They did that for Dragon Age as well. Right. Um, so I think what I, I don't, I, if there's a committee involved, I, I, my guess is that it's Bioware's committee. And I know they do a lot of things in big groups. They tend not to have sort of, as far as I'm aware, like particularly kind of like auteur writers or auteur designers. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way Bioware work, like it's a big writer's room, different writers take ownership over particular characters and they kind of come together on the overall shape of plot lines and things like that. Um, as far as I understand it, those surveys because this this happened with dragon age inquisition as well where the the kind of the structure of that story leaked because um ea did a survey of like select an nda survey which obviously just got out which i don't necessarily see the purpose for i think it's less maybe less designed by committee and more like risk management via extensive possibly too early focus testing Mm. where Bioware's, you know, creative people will legitimately come up with the story they want to tell and probably don't face a lot of opposition in that, but it's being focus tested at the point where it's conceived. Someone gets asked in abstract, would you be interested in a story about uh, going to a different galaxy and meeting this character who's like this? And it's like, you don't know until you've played it, right? Like, and so I suspect, I suspect given the way EA is structured that that's kind of what's happening is they start putting stuff in front of crowds of people very, very early. If anything, then it's positive, it's a positive thing that those leaks that are now years and years old have turned out to be completely accurate because it suggests that that survey process didn't result in very many changes to what Bioware had originally conceived. Yeah, that's true. Um, like if, if, if suddenly, oh, if it was like half accurate and half not, you'd start looking at what had gone. Yeah. Whereas true. now I guess you're looking at the fact that like, oh, okay, they, uh, yep, that's yeah, the game they want to make any dictates from marketing saying pirates are hot right now. We yeah. want pirates in this, which happened to me and I'm still sore about. <laughs> sore about pirates. So yeah, I'm um, excited about Alex. Do you, do you give a, a shit about Mass Effect? You don't mm, look like you do. You're doing a face. Not really. I, I played, I only played um, Mass Effect 2 and I did that thing. I, 
I suppose I'm not the only person, but I can play tens of hours of an RPG and then I have this sort of sense of when the end is coming and I can be as swept up as I like in the story up until this point and then I just lose it and I just stop playing. Did it with most of the Final Fantasies, mm. um, huh. Mass Effect 3. I don't know why. I'm kind of really, I really am intrigued about it. I don't, I don't know what happened at the end of, end of um, Mass Effect 3 still. don't know any of that whole palaver. Um, I just know it exists, not what the details are. And so I'm, I know that I'm nearly there. I think, I think I remember the last time I played it, there was this sort of, you know, we're off to do the thing. And I can't remember. And I just stopped. I don't know why. Very weird psychosis. Sounds like commitment issues to me. Yeah. I think it is. Uh, well, you know what? I think I, I thought before that it was a, um, not wanting it to end thing. Mm. Um, so the opposite, but, um, but then I don't know. Because Mass Effect will clearly never end, despite the end, you know. And I wasn't even Mass Effect itself. I, um, I don't know. I did find it was a bit Americans in space, uh, and I, I wasn't as taken by it. Well, there were a few of the storylines that I really enjoyed, but don't know. It just didn't get me. Not in the way that something like with a bit more organic, like The Witcher has. Mm. Um, the Witcher I, still has that. Um funnel into the final end game roller coaster but i was on the roller coaster i was strapped in (laughs) it's funny i know and also i've done three which are three endings you know Mm. because i've played in you know distinctly each of the the two expansions as well very odd i i don't think there's any lessons to be taken from my behavior other than i don't know avoiding me you just you know it's not gonna is it because the night before a bioware protagonist flies off into the the final battle that's when all of the smooching happens <laughs> like the banging that's when you know, that is the only time like if you you know if you're a commander shepherd this one night a year it's that, you, you kind of get it. that feeling and it's you know, right before you're probably going to die i don't oh no i haven't seen no that's true actually i haven't, I haven't had my three banging i did my three yeah banging. exactly did, this is what we're talking about commitment phobia alex yeah, like you just you mean. it's it's you know like but i was i was well i was slightly grossed out by <laughs> the thought of my um Femship um, banging Gar- Garrus, 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 Garrus yeah. yeah. Don't be totally weirded out by that. It, it was more, it was more the face. I just Oof. being Ouch. up against his chitinous face. I just thought <laughs> that's not where my femship. <laughs> this is where, this is where the truth be. comes out. Like we can't stop the Reapers, Garrus, because also I don't know. I don't really know or like what's going down in the leg region. He's got uh, backwards knees. And... Yeah, the backwards knees thing. <laughs> you just... None of that. Yeah, I don't know. You just got to get over these things. I mean, you, 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 you push the relationship that far already. <laughs> you let him down gently. <laughs> I can remember who, for who he is, not what he looks like. Exactly. You know, if you, something drew you to this chitinous-faced man with back, bendy backwards knees. <laughs> and you got to make your peace with it one way or another, I suppose, at the end of the day. I th- in many ways, I think your refusal to uh, in- finally engage the Reapers in a battle for the fate of the Earth um, <laughs> speaks of some immaturity <laughs> vis-a-vis your commitment to bird-insect-faced gangly men <laughs> there's wisdom in that yeah indeed uh, I, if it's not if it's not clear alex is lying and a psychologist shares long for the recording of this I week's podcast feel better. i think yeah. i feel better we really got to the, i think we've made some excellent progress today <laughs> um but you should you know you should give uh you should give andromeda a go so if you feel differently because if anything it's a whole new galaxy full of um weird Americans. but nonetheless humanoid people <laughs> that you can boink 
Boink. <laughs> and it is a race. I'd be amazed if they didn't do one of those kind of like Ubisoft beloved kind of like global leaderboard things. And so that if you're the first person in the world to boink an Andromedan, you get like a kind of special achievement that only pops up for you. <laughs> oh, okay. If there's a race on. Yeah. Banging race. <laughs> exactly. Good. Um, so that's Mass Effect. And that is probably all of the news, I think, really. It's been a quiet... It's been a quiet time. Yeah. A refreshingly quiet time. Hmm. What have you been playing, Alex? I've been playing The Sniper Elite 4. Huh. Tom also enjoyed its testicle popping goodness. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Head cracking. Um, Yeah, it's it's schlocky good fun. And, you know, it just feels much smoother and um, big. Levels Mm. are big. Really big, and that it is what feels, you want. yeah, and you've, it feels quite organic. I said that twice, <laughs> but now it's um, uh, it feels very open and choice filled and that kind of thing, and can bumble around and go this way and decide to get scared and go the other way. The fighting I found is really tense. It was a really good level. I enjoyed uh, with a big bridge where there where there's um a train that's got a massive gun on it and this gun is kind of massive artillery thing shooting mm. at uh, allies or something in the distance and um it's covered in guards and where you start in the level you can see it um and you can see a sniper on there and you can see some people and you can tag them right from there but they're like 400 yards off and you can't really get to them at that point it's a nice little prefiguring thing and mm. and I, in that one i ended up scooting all the way around and then sort of being at one end of the tracks and slowly working my way down this track, sort of moving position between shots and that kind of thing. And, you know, it was nicely tense, but it has that sort of, sort of, nothing is serious as well. You know, aside from the testicle popping, mm. it you know, you you can get into all sorts of trouble and it doesn't have that sense of, you know you ought not to be you know seen this is a stealth game feel mm. to it it's like you run away and you go back again it's got the shooter kind of mm. body Has count got, thing uh, an nice. interesting way to do soft stealth failure um yeah you just run away and then and you know you know you could i think i think it could probably put off a lot of people who are a bit more strict about stealth mm. because it really doesn't make any sense because you can go back and everyone is Right back to there. We're all sad about Jonathan's yeah. testicles, but it's time to move. Oh, God, it's happened again. Yeah, because you've got all these Germans who think they're entirely safe in this area and you're slowly working your way through them. And for some reason, none of them get particularly concerned. Mm. They'll, they'll come out to investigate stuff, but they'll settle back down. And I think, yes, good. That means that it is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you get to feel like a sniper? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now that kind of... I think because I think I saw in the the weekend a stream you were talking to a producer and asking him, do you get to shoot at long range in the game Sniper Elite Four? That was Sniper Ghost Warrior Three. Oh, then I I sound the libel alarm. <laughs> <laughs> no, they. I mean, they're both you, you because I only well I know that for various reasons, but precisely because before I did that live stream of Sniper Ghost Warrior Three. I was just like, I, I drilled myself. Don't say <laughs> Sniper Elite. They're very different games. One of them's a World War Two uh, open world thing and the other's a, a more kind of like Far Cry style outpost kind of mm. game set in the kind of near future with futuristic gadgets. They're very different. But I knew that I would not be, uh, well, luckily I'm not going to be employed very much longer anyway, but like I would, um, I would be in trouble 
if I said the wrong <laughs> game. Yeah. So I made sure that I knew which one was which, but yeah. Because I am not important enough to be in any trouble at all. No. Well, I mean, you not in this particular way. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the man in front of you as well. Oh yeah, like to, if I if I say that to the you know the lead level designer of um of a different game in front of the internet, then that's that's fully mortifying. <laughs> so, um, but yes, nonetheless, um, what were we talking about? Sniper Elite Four. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, the proper sniping. sniping. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like um, in the sense that you are going for vantage points and. Um, you know, you're looking at the environment, trying to work out where you're going to have a good view. That's great. Um, do you like sighting things? Pick is your a good moment idea. so you drop people out of sight of other people. Yeah, you can do all of that. Um, it's often a little bit hard to judge sometimes, but that's in a natural way because you're looking from a distance of things. Um, mm. You've got your magical binoculars, which allow you to see and remember, and then have a complete awareness of the exact positions of all these people from then on, which is wonderful. Yeah, binoculars do that. Yeah, I mean, I, all the adventure <laughs> of the binoculars is a, a wonderful, mm. amazing. Um, but uh, so yeah, you got the positioning, and then um, every <laughs> every level that I've had so far, I've only played maybe four levels into it, um, and everyone has managed to uh, contrive um, a repetitive noise. <laughs> which will mask your shots right so like the artillery firing yeah so you've got artillery firing in the train one you've got um there's a a loud speaker propaganda loud speaker in the previous one and there's a plane just going overhead every so often (laughs) in the first one um you know and, and that and that gives a sense of timing to it and because the the pattern to it is quite different for each one. So the train one that artillery sound isn't very long. So you've got a short window to, to use it. Mm. Um, so you're, you're, so there's a timing element to it as well. And then waiting for people to patrol to a certain point, you can get people to find, you know, find a body if, you know, and, and that, and they'll come towards it often. Um, they are not afraid of your sniping at yeah. all, like the, <laughs> which is which is gratifying as well. If even if kind of not exactly kind of realistic, but um, and then once you fired, um, they start to triangulate your position, which means that essentially that you've got maybe a two shots before if uh, two heard shots before they work out where you are. Oh, that's great. Um, and then you don't just find the perfect position and mow down. You can't, yeah, people. you can't do that. They'll come for you. Um, and you, there's a little stuff, there's a little system where you can see the position they last saw you in as well. There's a little kind of red outline of you, you mm. know, if you run away. So you know where they're going for. And that allows you to set up traps and things for, so you can get yourself seen, lay a trap there, run away, and they'll kind of blunder into it. So there's loads of stuff going on, but it's all really immediate, really, um, fun um but it has that hitman feel as well like the new hitman where the levels are really big and they offer lots of different ways to do the same things um Mm. um, and that's kind of feels great actually um you've got lots of different tools lots of different traps and um and weapons i mean you could just go around with a submachine gun if you liked and i pretty much you could probably do a level pure shooting if you wanted Mm. um but it's too fun doing the sniping. Yeah. And there's not a contrived periodic loud noise loud enough to mask your submachine gun 
kind of yeah. fire. Someone doing permanent drumming. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a car full of like boy racers going past. Like, ns, 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 they could, the they could use that for um, Ghost Sniper Three. It, it, sniper Ghost Warrior Three. Ghost Warrior Three. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's a game where you can be a sniper, a ghost, or a warrior, but likely some combination of the three. But yeah, it sounds good. I, I, I didn't, I meant to pick it up after, after Tom mentioned it because, um, this feels like the sniper elite that surprised people by mm. being, getting all those individual pieces that have all been parts of those previous games and getting them all right at once. Yeah, it does feel very much a, it feels quite, um, practiced because of those systems being used before. But yeah, they do work together. It's great they've had nice. the opportunity to get to four and really polish their systems. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So Tom was asking, asking of himself, really, we didn't have an answer um, last week about why it isn't repellent because of the violence. I, I, I kind of find it is a bit. Okay. And it is for, I, 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 mean, I think going for the balls is like just funny, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I sure. find, so I actually, I actually interviewed the, um, I think the lead art director um, about, for a feature about. Um, so on PC Gamer about the design of death animations. Um, it's been up, I think the piece has been up, went up last week. And, um, I spoke to the lead art director about how the deaths are made in, in, in Sniper Elite. And he told me all sorts of interesting things about how the kind of it, it, from the moment you push, pull the trigger, it knows whether you've made a killing blow and then it makes lots of different decisions over whether it's going to show you an animation. And if so, where's the camera going to be? What effects? Is it going to be black and white? Is it mm. going to have a vignette around it? Um, you know, um, <laughs> How do I frame this testicle exploding? <laughs> Are you going Get to a see Snapchat filter where it's got little bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, and he was at pains to say that they, you know, because it's a meant to be a big reward, um, it's, kind of always got to be surprising and fun um and i make a lot of headshot shots because because you do like you know because it's fairly easy to get a headshot in that mm. game because you've got you know all sorts of like aim kind of um assists uh, to help you out um and i see headshots a lot and i immediately found it kind of whoa and then i went ha ha <laughs> and i went oh and my, my screen is in view of the street and I became increasingly nervous <laughs> that people might think I'm a total psycho. Yeah, with um, your murder simulators. Murder simulator. You can switch it off, by the way. Like, that is easy to do. You know, right. You can, from the start of the game, you can switch it off and then you can switch it off. <laughs> it should just pop up after the first one and say, was that a bit yeah. much? Yeah. <laughs> How did you like our kills? <laughs> did you see the vitreous humour burst out of his eye? <laughs> did you like it? Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it revels in a nice popped air um i i eyeball um mm. he's kind of particular like it is quite interesting he it, the art director told me that um the they they would love to do kind of procedural damage inside and it looks it always looks like oh that is generated just for me but actually there's lots of pre-canned ones right um the they're putting physics in a soft Nazi body um, it's apparently difficult <laughs> as you can probably imagine um, for the moment anyway but then it becomes procedural once it's kind of physics gets invoked once once your bloody chunks come out the other right. side it generates the chunks in yeah. a kind of pre-canned way and it applies um, turbulence in the air so that they're always different 
Interesting. Mm. Interesting. I don't know, canned chunks is canned it? Canned chunks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've yeah. eaten those and dishonoured. Yeah, indeed. Jellied chunks. But I do, I I do find it a, a little bit much. I would like, I would, I'm basically, I, I would just like it to trigger a bit less. Mm. That would be good. But it's funny, you kind of, um, I do find myself. You get into a rhythm, like there are some problems with it where if you might have two soldiers in front of you and you need to pop them both and you've got a sound going on in the background. So you've got a short window to do that in. And if you get a, an animation, you know, a death kill animation on the first one, your rhythm is just destroyed for, for popping right. the other one mm. efficiently. Mm. Um, so I find that a little bit off putting. Um, but other than that, I would just like you to do it a little bit less. Mm. I like, just give me, t- show me the extraordinary ones. Yeah, because- it should should show you every time you pop a part of a Nazi you've not popped before, yeah. <laughs> like like bubble wrap. Like once you've done it once, it's gone. Like nice glands shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've blown out his left ass cheek. I'll show you that one. <laughs> oh, cockex. Do you say cockex? It's coccyx. Coccyx. Yeah. Hmm. This stuff always makes me a bit squeamish, just because that's my personal taste anyway. But because I know that in order right. to in order to replicate horrific fatalities mm. or like burned corpses or stuff like that, an animator or an artist will have looked at 500 high resolution images to really capture the gross disfigurement that's going on. And to be honest, some artists are totally fine with that. It's just <laughs> my my preference not to look at horrific human corpses yeah yeah just pretending to have a big space knife in the sanctity of your own home yeah that's as far as it'll go i don't really drill down on you know perforating the enemies with holes right i I heard that tom is going for very realistic kills i'm very small but they are all those pixels are perfectly placed as they would be this is terrible news Hmm, interesting. What, what you've been playing, John? Uh, I've been playing the opposite of Sniper Elite 4, which is a game called Night in the Woods, which is a lovely 2D, uh, slightly cartoony narrative adventure. It, I say cartoony, it's, it's a really nice kind of um, cut-out style uh, set in this animal people town uh, where uh, May Borowski... Uh, a college dropout comes back to town uh, with hopes of trying to reintegrate into her kind of waster dropout life. And in a nice kind of flip, she's exactly the same person, but everyone else in the town has changed. Hmm. Um, but, uh, and I played like a couple of hours so far and it's like lots of fun teen drama with kind of witty writing and stuff. Hmm. Uh, and then it's just starting to sprinkle in a little bit of weirdness. Um, and, I think that's kind of the direction it's going to go. There's some mysterious woods and people have been saying cryptic things like a person could get in all sorts of trouble if they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, and I'm hoping it goes, uh, this, this pleasant introduction of normality is starting to go off the rails into some strange, weird adventure. Hmm. I'm getting quite a um, an oxen-free vibe off mm. it if you play that oxen free starts into the weirdness fairly swiftly to be honest um whereas this is holding that back uh quite a lot uh but yeah it's it's charming and nicely written and uh you're a, a cat girl 
and you're friends with an alligator, uh, a bear, and a jackal with wibbly arms. So yeah, yeah. Is your is there puzzles to solve? Is it primarily like conversations? Like what's your kind of? There's been a few puzzles so far. Um, it's definitely stronger on the narrative rather than like the puzzle adventure. Mm. Um, there's some kind of cute um, mechanics where. Um, if you interact with certain things, the screen zooms in on it and you get like a big cartoon cat paw uh, that you <laughs> just move around with one of the sticks and just prod at stuff. And that lets you do um, kind of more in-depth interactions like stealing pretzels or accidentally electrocuting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two settings cats have as far as I'm aware. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it kind of feels like... Uh, it's interesting because it feels like the kind of classic point-and-click narrative... Um, but it's it's got definite roots in platformer. Mm. Um, it's uh, 2D side on, and you've got a jump button, and you can platform on various uh, ledges and uh, balance across um, power lines and stuff like that. And you can like chain jumps together, so your third jump is extra high, and that lets you get to um, different places. And it's quite a nice way of doing things. It gives you a kind of immediate control. It gives you, yeah, it gives you a kind of immediacy rather than that sleep. Like point and click can get kind of sleepy sometimes. Hmm. You just click here and your character moves itself and then it shows you more text and you click somewhere else and so on. Uh, but this way it feels uh, kind of responsive and fun. Are you Is, is the town uh, sort of freely wanderable? Yeah, uh, from the start it gates you a little bit to begin with, but um, from the get-go there's like... Um, 10 zones or 10 screens or so on all really nicely um, drawn and animated mm. uh, it's autumn in the town and there's lots of rustling leaves and beautiful sunlight coming through uh, and then uh, in the night scenes they do uh, they have great um, ambiance they know when to use music and when not to and just have the wind blowing through trees and stuff like that it gets uh, a really good sense of where you are uh, yeah it's only just come out it was a Kickstarter, I think, with a bunch mm. of indie vets uh, behind it. And it's got guitar hero sections because right. you're a struggling bassist. Huh. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Scott Pilgrim, but cats. Yeah, there is quite a strong Scott Pilgrim vibe because it's a bunch of teenagers who don't really have any direction. Right. And they're kind of in a band, but not really in a band. Mm. And then at, at some point, Scott Pilgrim takes off and he finds direction and stuff like that. Um, but I'm hoping... This goes into like weird, dark mystery. Is an issue? You, Sorry, go on, Alex. Well, is, you know, do you are you wanting that direction yet? Are you happy? Oh, just definitely. To wander um, around town. I really like the slow beginning. Um, like my favorite adventure game is probably the longest journey. Mm. Um, that does the slow beginning really well. You're it's a similar kind of setup. You're kind of an aimless student, and then slowly strange magical things start happening to you. And because you've been given that grounding sense of normality. The, the wizards are exciting and interesting and so on. And so this feels like as soon as something weird, weird happens, it's going to be really interesting and out of place and stuff. Mm. But it has gone on for me like slightly too long. I'd like, I'd like to start seeing like the layers below the, the happy chirpy um, Midwest coal mining town. Mm. Yeah. It, felt, it felt like there's quite a lot of, buzz about night in the woods that i because it sort of came out of nowhere for me yeah but i was surprised by how kind of big a deal it's 
release was this week. Yeah, I think it had it had a great Kickstarter, and it's obviously got pedigree, and the fans have been um, uh, pushing it quite a lot. Um, it's got good jokes in. It's got fun characters and nice art. Mm. So, yeah, it's great. It's got cat hands. It's got cat hands. When you do the guitar hero bit, do you see the cat hand doing the uh, Possibly, but it's the same problem with any uh, rhythm action game. You're concentrating so hard on pushing buttons <laughs> that you can't see actually what's going on behind you. Right. Cool. That sounds yeah. genuinely interesting. Night in a Woody. Night in a Woody. I keep getting confused with Into the Woods. Which is a musical. Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. 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 It's not that. So there's no reason for me to be confused. But nonetheless, I am. Um, the what have you been doing, Chris? The thing I've been playing um, is uh, panicking about an upcoming games event in London. And then working at an upcoming games event in London. And then sleeping. That's most of what I've been doing. But however, at said games event in London, which is a PC game a weekend, where I had a chance to meet loads of Crate and Crowbar people indeed possibly oh, all of them were they nice they were lovely I've met a lot of them before but they were all lovely you're lovely oh. everyone's lovely uh, no genuinely it was great um, while I was there I did get a chance to play a bunch of different things and not just Jedi Knight 2 which I insisted <laughs> we have at the show <laughs> did it go down well yeah awesome. yeah, it was great that was yeah. great like we I mean um, played it a bunch it was always packed and there was definitely like kids playing it who were born when that game came out like <laughs> And that was nice to see because it's a great, like we were given like a sort of choice of what, what we could have for a retro section. And I pushed very hard for Jedi Knight 2 alongside original Counter-Strike. It's kind of like an interesting kind of stuff to show off. That was great. But that's not a new game by any means. It, it, it amazed me how much I remembered and had forgotten. I think that's always a kind of interesting thing. Like I remembered how to do the um, backwards, like almost one shot kill heavy sword swing animation uh, just by muscle memory, like crouch jumping in Half-Life. Did you just wander in like a master returning to the dojo and like, yeah, but like bring if, me your best student. But like if he, if he was a bit pissed or I had <laughs> sort of forgotten quite a lot of important things <laughs> and I genuinely think I broke someone's heart because they probably heard me on the podcast bang on about this game a lot and my love for sword fighting games in that because we weren't playing dual mode because we were playing deathmatch. I was one of the people who were like, you know what? Sometimes trip mines are okay. <laughs> like someone was like chasing me, like duel me master, duel me ancient master. I'm just laying laser mines <laughs> down a big corridor. And then, yeah. Um, That's all right. It's like the first lesson is mines. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, you've got to, the purest connection with the, the lightsaber is achieved by laying a lot of mines <laughs> first. And if they don't work, then maybe try the lightsaber. Um, so that was great. But the thing that, um, I guess was the highlight of the event for me personally. Um, and I wasn't expecting um, to get a kick out of was uh, not because I didn't expect much of it, just because I just didn't really think know anything about it was um, killing floor incursion, mm. which is tripwires um, Oculus Rift VR uh, killing floor game. Uh, and um, Tom S might have stuff to say about it as well, but like this was the, so it wasn't the first, you know, shooter I've played in VR, but it was the first sort of current release Oculus Rift game that I've played. And I have to say, I was extremely impressed by the Rift, mm. which as someone who's had a Vive in the house for a while um, for work stuff, um, was not concerning, but it was like, I think if I was to invest the money in a consumer VR setup, I'd probably now be just as likely to go for the Rift. Mm. Um, and so that's just so we'll start with the hardware side of it. Um, the things that impressed me about it 
And this was the sort of the full Oculus Rift setup with the touch controllers and like the base stations, like its version of the Vive base stations. The Oculus Rift scales a little bit more substantially, like you don't need a lot of that stuff. Um, first thing is the headset was a, is a lot more comfortable, like um, less fiddly to put on, fewer cables, or at least better consolidated cables, and built-in headphones, which make a big difference. Like, I still think VR is, as a whole has a problem with... Um, it's great if you have someone standing next to you whose only job is to chaperone your experience and make sure you don't kill yourself. <laughs> and they haven't fully solved that problem. But I think they've gotten a little bit closer because the fact that you have fewer things to pick up after you've blinded yourself with the helmet means that... um and fewer things to configure, like headset, which is plugged into a port on the back of the headset. You know, sorry, like a sound, you know, as headphones that are then plugged into the headset and all the rest of it. Um, just being able to pop this thing on and sort of tweak the the speakers so they're over your ears and then kind of be done, at least from that point of view, is really welcome. It's a lot lighter. Um, it felt kind of more rigid, but more comfortable because of that. Like less sort of like elasticated strap feeling, more like a cage over your head that fit quite well. Um, I know Tom senior found it far more comfortable wearing glasses. I don't wear glasses. So like it wasn't, that's never been an issue for me, but I know it's been an issue for him with the vibe. Um, so that was genuinely impressive. And then once I was in, I didn't really notice any difference in screen, screen quality than the normal. I got into it quite quickly. I think it helps. I'm used to VR. So I could sort of sink into just, okay, I'm in VR now pretty easily. Um, the touch controllers themselves are, are great. They're much, much smaller than the, the vibe paddles but with kind of similar buttons like kind of a grip and a trigger um and they have analog sticks on them rather than the the vives mm. um pad mm. touchy pad, touchy yeah. pad. Are these the ones where that let you open and close your yeah. hand so they can detect if you've basically they can detect um like your index finger thumb and then all of your fingers, basically. Mm. So they don't have granular control of your middle finger, which I believe is just so that you can't flip people <laughs> off in VR. But like, if you take your thumb off the analog sticks, it puts your thumbs up. Like it knows that you're not touching them. So, you know, at least in this game it did, right? In, in Killing mm. Floor. Um, so you can, you, you have, a th it feels a lot more, more natural. Um, what then interested me about, so without all that stuff in mind, um, so Killing Floor Incursion is a, like a full Killing Floor game. Um, arguably a more substantial Killing Floor campaign than they previously made because all of the Killing Floor games to date have been functionally like multiplayer games first and foremost designed that it's a map that you play on a server and it's like wave based zombie monster defense and you can go to a shop and stuff, but and maybe you travel around the level a bit, but it's like an arena really. Whereas Incursion is a two player co-op adventure game. Uh, that has puzzles and like sort of a story. I didn't really pick up a lot of the story because I was trying to listen to it while also at the same time having someone tell me, you know, guide me through it while at the same time sort of doing that awkward show floor thing of not really being able to like settle into just sort of absorbing stuff. Um, but the section of the game that I, I played and can talk about, um, I did play some other stuff around it, but I'm sort of limited a little bit in what I can say in some cases. Um, I'm going to say everything that um, Tripwire's uh, president, John Gibson said on my live stream because <laughs> uh, if he said it on that then it's probably okay for me to share a bit but um but the demo they were showing off was um like you and a co-op partner um exploring like a spooky farmhouse but i know that the environments in the game go beyond like sort of rustic horror um and 
So when you load up and you do some sort of calibration stuff, you kind of equip your gear and it kind of teaches you about grabbing things. And in part, it's a little bit like raw data, which I've spoken about on the podcast before, which is a like a cyberpunk Vive action game, which like this um, is a shooter where your hands aren't guns, your hands are hands. And that means if you're holding a gun, you're you're holding it. You have to actually grip and Mm -hmm. hold or, and, and so um if you one thing i found early on which is i mean i think one thing i really like about vr is when you start doing it and it works well some of your video game instincts will kick in even though it obeys the logic of real life and you'll do the stupidest shit because (laughs) and so i dropping my gun on the floor is probably something that would actually happen to me a lot in an actual zombie apocalypse but it happens a lot because no shooter ever has asked you to hold a button down to remain holding your gun right <laughs> like to treat it like an object apart from yourself it's always your hand is a gun basically or whatever or even your your head is a gun because you just point it at things and shoot um whereas in this like it feels natural like it's not a button it's not going to be a big strain on your hands to do because it's a pretty sensitive button on the grip of the controller but you have to pick it up and hold it like a like a gun and if you let go your hand opens and the gun falls on the floor because <laughs> everything is a physics object and it's very detailed with its physics so like oh, i've just dropped that uh shit and then you have to point at it and press the pick up button it's quite generous with its radius for picking up so you don't go scrambling around on the floor um and also anything that you've holstered will regenerate in its holster if you lose it which is one of their kind of abstractions just to make it a little bit less um punishing <laughs> to be an idiot where you drop like immediately drop your gun and can't find it and then get eaten mauled to death by zombies um <laughs> But so your character has uh, like a chest harness on, which you can see if you look down uh, and in the center of it, you have a slot for a, a flashlight, uh, which is like one of those kind of like L shaped flashlights that points forward. So that slots in and you can take that out, switch it on and put it back in. Um, and the flashlight's pretty important uh, because it has two modes. One is just light and the other is like a UV light that helps you find puzzle pieces and detect things in the environment. Um, and so there's a nice kind of natural tension between having to use that in one of your hands and then put it back and if you put it in your chest harness on you can still benefit from it a bit but it's stuck to your chest then which is not necessarily mm. ideal if you want to look at the floor or the ceiling um this solves the the doom 3 complaint of why can't i have a shotgun and a torch yeah like you you can you know you can even you know throw the torch try and take advantage of it while it sails through the air and pull <laughs> your guns out and then you have two pistol holsters either side of that uh where you can hold up to two two guns and then you have two holsters on your back um which in the demo i played were initially used for knives and so all of that stuff that you've got holstered, but can use be for bigger things, um, you regenerate so you can lose it. Uh, but anything else you pick up, you can throw and stuff. And that extends to severed limbs of zombies, bits of rock, kind of, you know, stuff you just pick up and throw at people in a panic. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that even having, having played some games like this, and there are a bunch of gun games in VR now, there's a bunch of stuff that impressed me about it. Um, so from a sort of shooting point of view, Tripwise games have always been notable, particularly the Killing Floor games, because the guns feel fucking amazing. Like, they, they, they were sometimes not the prettiest games, or they were quite janky in some ways, but they've always had, like, amazing yeah. gun feel. It's true. Um, and they have made that work in VR, even though they've been denied a lot of the tricks they would traditionally use, because you can't have recoil in VR, because mm. your hands know it didn't. they didn't move, right? You know, the the, the impact of a of a pistol, a big heavy hand cannon going off in, in a video game is that you see it kick back towards mm. the screen and your cursor moves because you can do that. But you can't do that to a VR player because mm. they know their hand didn't actually get kicked back by the force of the gun. So it's all done through like rumble and the sound effects and the sort of the impact of the bullets hitting your opponent. 
and also i think contrary to the way that vr tends to make you feel hugely incompetent a lot of the time or like the kind of the, the stupidest spec ops zombie slayer ever the fact that you're kind of supernaturally accurate because you don't have to worry about recoil or like accurate as far as if you point at the right thing you'll probably it'll probably be okay makes you feel like just capable enough that you start to feel like a badass which i think they badly need i don't think they can be total incompetent simulators i think you need that moment where you know you pull a pistol super quick from your holster and like headshot a zombie that's about to munch on your mate or pull both pistols and start firing them akimbo at two different targets and headshotting both of them and you know and that kind of thing and they've abstracted some stuff that for example raw data hasn't I think in service of making a better game rather than a better realistic VR experience. So like a lot of the shooters I've played um, are kind of in love with the idea that because you're in VR, you can um, simulate everything, right? Every game has to also be, um, what was the incredibly detailed game that Graham loved about? Play, it was like a shooter, oh, but where, the, yeah, the where every part of the gun was receiver. receiver yeah. yeah, where every VR game can be receiver because you can, you know, simulate mm-hmm. it at that granular level. And there are there are, there are games that make really good advantage of this. Uh, in raw data, you know, if you want to reload your gun, you have to reach down to your hip, grab a clip, and smack it into the bottom of your other hand to simulate loading the gun. Um, and that feels cool, but it is fiddly and easily fucked up and slows the game down a little bit. So they've decided in. Um, in this, if you have your pistol out and you press one of the sort of the buttons on the face of the of the controller, your character reloads it, even if the other hand is busy. The gun kind of reloads itself magically, like mm. the clip drops out of it, another clip comes in, which is an abstraction, but actually um, it adds a level of kind of fun multitasking that's like you have to pay enough attention to to get it right. But it's not like, oh, hang on, I've got to holster this gun, grab a clip, put it in, because there's a reason every other shooter has made reloading a press of a button rather than a genuine faff because I, I with real guns reloading them quickly is a faff and a skill-based thing that takes forever mm. and so it kind of abstracts it a little bit so if you get used to firing two pistols at incoming hordes of zombies you might get you know you might have to kill something quickly and use both pistols but it's better to like shoot one for a while and then while you're then press the button to reload that and bring up the other one depending on how comfortable you are with like being ambidextrous and then shoot with that one for a bit and then drop that one and sort of cycle between them in a kind of natural way. Yeah. But doing that, it's like, it's quite a lot of different brain inputs you have to manage, mm. like which gun I'm firing with, trying not to there. panic. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's still a meaningful challenge, but it feels kind of like, when you start getting it right, it feels, you feel really fluid and it feels like, oh, cool, I'm a, I'm a cool gun man. There's but, a place for all that kind of tricky kind of um, interaction stuff, like the, the you know, the reloading with a gesture sort of thing. Mm. You know, But it's only, only if the game is for that. If you want to, Fast-paced game about shooting zombies. Like it's just yeah. I assume they throw a lot of zombies at you. They do, yeah. Like, and it's quite hard. Like, it's you know, you start. They they come from a lot of different directions. You've got to be vigilant about looking in different directions and Mm. watching out for your friend who might not be kind of not see something sneaking up on them. Yeah. Um, Because the the bow and arrow game that Tom F really likes, you have maybe um, one or two targets going at any point. So then they can allow you to have that granularity of putting an arrow in a bow and aiming it. Yeah, this is dozens of zombies and sometimes like creepy crawly spider zombies and, you know, um, bigger zombies and that require a different approach and things like that. Um, the way movement is handled is the kind of familiar, like, teleport yourself by kind of throwing a cursor to the ground mm. kind of thing, which I think is the way people just figured out this works. Um, with a few tweaks, I think are pretty good. So it's handled by the the analog stick on the left controller. And 
um, when you push it, it gives you that cursor and you can kind of throw yourself to that position. But while you're kind of pushing it and you've got the cursor to position in front of you, but you haven't like committed to the teleport yet, you can rotate the analog stick and that rotates an arrow in the middle of oh, your cursor and that determines your facing when you teleport out, mm-hmm. which is really good because it allows you to choose between, I want to teleport straight forward and be facing the way that I'm facing now, um, which is um, quite simple and quick. And I want to teleport forward and spin 180, which is often what you want to do. Yeah, and I would pro- have thought that added a bunch of unnecessary faff, considering you can just turn around. Well, so what it does do, the other thing that the stick does, if you're not doing teleporting, if you just flick it left and right, it spins you 90 degrees, mm. which is also fine. And what this means is that when you get used to, when you get used to that, you don't do a lot of turning. Uh, you do a bit of t- like shoulder turning, but maybe not like all the way down to your feet. You do looking rather. Than you do turn. looking, mm. and then if but if something if you see something at the corner of your eye, you flick yourself ninety degrees to face it. And I think the reason this is important is because it means that you're not turning a lot, and if you're not turning a lot, you're not tangling yourself in the cable, mm. which is a genuine problem. Like if you walk around a room having a kind of tactile explore in VR as it currently works without wireless headsets at some point you you were going to feel the cable against your foot and realize that i'm in some kind of a mess mm. and like i think this is quite a good solution because it means that you do move and you're but it's mostly your upper body and it also means that it adapts it adapts far better if you are playing seated um particularly if you have no choice but to play seated which mm. i think is maybe even a weakness of this kind of game like you could play this game fully as somebody in a wheelchair and you wouldn't actually, you know, provided you have, you had movement of your kind of shoulders and, you know, arms, you wouldn't actually miss a huge amount because you can spin around on the spot manually, but doing so is going to cause you cable problems. Mm. And I think this is a better solution ultimately, really, than just saying, you know, walk around the room because really, ultimately it's a video game. You don't want to have to be chaperoned by a human being that's going to prevent you from tripping over, right? So yeah, I think. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but it's kind of a better solution than most, I think. Mm. Um, and then there are other cool things like you have, so you have knives and then, um, there's lots of very gratifying stabbing and slashing. Uh, but if you press the button on the controller, you, the, essentially the reload button with a knife is the change grip button. So you go from holding it like, uh, like a slashing motion mm. to reversing the grip to a stabby kind of downward thing mm. the kinds of thing you do a lot of research into john you know the stabbing and slashing stuff can you attack someone every tenth of a second uh <laughs> if you're fast enough yeah right okay i mean there's no limit on how fast you can be so i mean you'd have to be an extremely fast knifeman but sure um and then you can flick it into like a throwing grip where you're just gripping the tip of the blade and you can throw anything that's in your hands at any time just by doing a throwing motion and letting go mm. so if you want to throw a gun at someone you can um, but in that mode, the knives actually, you know, if you do it right and you have the right flick of the wrist, they do gain that kind of spinning thing. Flippy flips. And that's mega cool. <laughs> Tell um, me about the dismemberment. So zombies fall apart pretty easily. Um, a lot, particularly if you hit them with knives, they just bits come off them, shoot them in the head. It also has killing floors slow-mo, which is kind of a cool thing. Like if someone's, sh- um, headshots a zombie, it goes into bullet time for both players mm. and you can obviously still move it you know, it doesn't force you to move slower in real life. So, but it actually kind of feels great because you're like, now it feels like there's, it's not, it's not wrong to kind of abstract that too much. You yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of like, now we're a magic bullet people. And then you kind of <laughs> gun down some stuff. It's good. Um, so it doesn't feel too weird when your partner 
The, the, the one that's strange is if you split up. So the I'll tell you about dismemberment in a moment. But the the puzzle in in the demo involves finding kind of like abstract puzzle pieces scattered around this spooky house that you get into and you fight around and then inside and zombies come fairly frequently. Uh, and you're encouraged to find them with the torch and then carry them and you have to actually carry they're, they're a thing you then have to carry so if you want to the probably the sensible way to do it is have one of you carry them uh, with a gun in one hand and the other one ca- carry a torch and a gun and so you escort each other to and from the place where you need to return them me and my um co-op partner who i didn't know we just thumbsed up at each other because you can thumbs up with the fact that you know, <laughs> because you know what your um hands are doing you can give each other thumbs up you can also ask around and throw things to each other and catch them which is kind of just a fun yeah. thing to do um because we had split up occasionally I, I would know that he had gotten in a fight somewhere because the bullet time would trigger it like he, so he'd be off somewhere and i'd just say and i'd be like looking at a sink um or something how do they uh represent your uh partner is it just like a torso and hands no it's a full it? person right. and it's pretty like so it looks a little weird because people's legs don't really move and you see them teleport like there's like a kind of blue teleportation dash thing when they move around like it's it's like part of the, the aesthetic of the game as well as the kind of gritty sort of grimy horror is like there's quite a lot of like virtual reality like i don't i genuinely don't know if the game is like set inside a simulation or something but they do some sort of like computer digital artifacts and things like that hmm. on purpose and so the teleportation is implied that it's part of that okay it's a good way of explaining it um but you see like a full 3d model that is animated from the waist up based on the actual movements of the person playing um, and to a pretty good degree of accuracy, because they have good mapping of your head and your arms, which is enough to say what the torso is doing, really. Like, it's not like your arms are going to have rearranged so they're on the front and back of your body. Like, they kind of can tell. And it, it's convincing enough that if you wave at people, it's genuinely a little moment of like, oh, hi. Um, or whatever. I'll give someone a thumbs up. Um, you can point as well, because it, you can do your index finger. So you, if you want to say like, oh, where was that? You just, you can point, which is kind of neat. Um, the dismemberment actually ties into that quite well because once bits have fallen off a zombie, they despawn if you move too far away from them, but you can pick them up, uh, look at them and waggle them. They're all physics-enabled objects. If you pick up a head, um, its jaw is fully kind of thing, <laughs> so you can waggle it up and down. Uh, <laughs> like um, you can do Hamlet with it if you like. Uh, you you know you can, and you can throw it at, at zombies, which doesn't really do a lot, but it's funny. Um, you can throw them at your friend. You can, you know, walk up to your friend and go like, Whoa, in the face with them. <laughs> like, you know, all the things you would dream of doing in the zombie apocalypse, necessarily. Um, so it all works really, really nicely. The thing that, uh, that was in the stuff that I played, but can't talk about, but, um, but that John talked about on the live stream of the PC Game Weekender, so I'm sure it's fine, <laughs> is the pump action shotgun, which is fucking great. Oh, because you're pumping the yeah. action. Yeah. Mm. So you, um, so it's two-handed weapon so you, you store it on your back you pick it up it, it respects your handedness so i was you know gripping it with my left hand and, and holding the front with my right because i'm left-handed um but it's a decently well simulated weapon except the sort of the you know the, the stuff about reloading being a little bit easier which means that you can grab it and kind of pump it and you know be standing there shooting and, and pumping it and shooting it which feels great because you it, feel like um oh what's his name out of um dark's uh, dark place Oh, um, oh, uh, Dean, Dean Lerner, Lerner from yeah. Dark Place. You do actually. <laughs> like the weird absence of recoil actually fits that kind of stiff upper body. Like dark, actually. So Dark Place is a good frame of reference for it. Uh, uh, Evil Dead is probably the other one. Mm. Um, but no, uh, Dark Place. If you haven't seen that, I'll put a link in the show notes because Dark Place is one of my favorite things. But it's the, one of the best things. You don't shoot plates. 
um so <laughs> summoned by a, a spooky psychic woman um but you know, that's another game yeah that is another i would i would pl- let's dark- make that game alex do you want to make dark place vr do yeah. come on all three of us <laughs> you can do the da- you can do the daggers john <laughs> <laughs> i'd love that i'd love that to bit. yeah um have you had animated a plate before yes what (laughs) plates on sticks for a disney mini game there we go he's done it all then then this is this is the perfect (laughs) first crate and crowbar game yeah exactly yes indeed Uh, and using someone else's intellectual property without permission (laughs) (laughs) um uh yeah basically like dean learner but like one of the so one the the wonderful dichotomy of these vr games is when you get into them and you get comfortable enough with the controls that you can enact your will without dropping a gun on the floor or all the rest of it, is you feel like the coolest motherfucker in the world. <laughs> but outside, the people on the show floor of the BC Gamer Weekend are <laughs> queuing up for the first session of the day because you, a member of the press, or in that case, a member of the events team, have gone in early before the show opens in order to have a go on it. Um You look like the world's biggest dickhead. <laughs> There's just no going around that. You don't look like John Wick. You look like a prick. That's <laughs> more wick prick yeah wick. exactly um and uh and that is a kind of wonderful thing but like one of the things is that like it's not a sort of having to pump the shotgun it's not just an animation you have to pump it to i don't know how guns work put a shell in the tube to make it go bang like yeah. it's i think it's to the, the bang mechanism yeah. but if you if you kind of want you can you can like pump it once so there's a like a shell ready to go kind of like stick it up over your shoulder and then like fire it one handed like ash in the evil dead while throwing someone's head at someone else with your other hand or waving a knife around or firing a pistol with one hand and does sound really loaded good. shotgun in the other it's like yeah it's yeah. good um it's it was good enough that i think tom and i uh, tom senior and i walked away thinking like do we want to own rifts now <laughs> yeah and it's maybe one of those things that you it kind of maybe doesn't justify that vast expense for what would be like a maybe a six to eight hour kind of fun campaign mm. But certainly the best VR game I've played in terms of maybe not in terms of like all the overall experiences, all the kind of inventive things VR can do, but certainly the most successful adaptation of a traditional video game to VR that I've played. It didn't just feel like a proof of concept or like a just a room with stuff in for you yeah. to play with. Yeah. yeah, it felt like, okay, this is meaning this is meaningfully using this technology in a way that's made a video game that I'd like to play. And it it's only fun because it is using this technology mm. and everything feels cool and you can get ahead and you can surprise your friend with it yeah exactly Beautiful. like i'd love to i'd love to play through the whole campaign with a mate you yeah. know just to kind of like presumably it's online right yeah yeah i think we were on network pcs yeah. it's, not, it's not gonna be split screen i, I, like... <laughs> <laughs> I just realized just how stupid the yeah. question was so you each you each <laughs> stick half your face in the riff <laughs> you got one eye <laughs> yeah um no uh yeah and so i think i think there's even like a microphone in the in the rift headset so you can use voice chat and hear them through your ears which is how that works so yeah i um i had a grand time that was so that was i mean i've played a bunch of other things um i think tom will have more to say about the show because he played some some great indie stuff there but my favorite was just standing in front of a bunch of strangers looking like a total wanker (laughs) while waving two knives around like rambo or not like Rambo. No, not like Rambo. <laughs> like a bell end. <laughs> there wasn't a pun on Rambo, so I went the rest of the way. My son is um, 
who's 11 uh and he is desperate to get vr so he tried uh tom tom f's um vive mm. and he spent two hours had to be dragged out of the headset <laughs> um playing a job simulator almost exclusively and um has been desperate to get one ever since or what's the point for me to get one mm. <laughs> he thinks for his birthday he's going to get a playstation vr i don't know if he is mm. but because i'm convinced I'm convinced he's going to have 10 great hours for the price of 600 quid or something. <laughs> or like PlayStation VR isn't that much better in the evening get a copy than you could get one at the moment. Yeah. I mean, you're literally buying him friends, though. Think of all the people true. who are going to get invited That's around. true. Because it's interesting. I, there, was a, there was a school, the school Christmas fair, and um, someone had brought their... I don't think it was even Oculus... Or Vive, I think it was one of some sort of cheap headset plugged into a PC with a kind of a roller coaster thing on it. You know, really wasn't state of the art at all. I had a queue; they were charging a quid a go, and uh, there was a queue for it. Yeah, so like, wow. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's how you pay for it back. Yeah, (laughs) put him on the road show. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if I told this story on the pod before, but I did show my mum VR, which is one of the sweetest things I've ever seen, just because of her particular attribution of value to certain things. So I just showed her the very basic stuff from the the lab, you know, Valve's kind of VR experiences kit. Um, so like the one where you're standing on a mountainside and it's all done with sort of photo, you know, photogrammery, of like you know mountains in Washington State and, and various other places. And she was amazed by that and kind of loved like looking over things and seeing the kind of will, hearing the sounds of the wilderness, totally unbothered by the presence of a robot dog that she could throw a stick for, like <laughs> didn't give a shit. I thought that'd be the most impressive thing because, you know, as a 60 year old woman, she's never seen a robot dog in real life. You know, like she's, she's been on a hill. Mom, this is your only chance yeah, and <laughs> to I was see like, a robot and, dog. But I was trying, you know, I was watching what she could see through the monitor and I was like, you know, look down, mum, you, you see this and there's like little yappy little, you know, telescopic robo dog looking up at her like throw a stick for me i'm interactive you know um i've been cleverly mapped onto the 3d topography of this environment <laughs> and just didn't care and she's like oh that's, yeah, that's nice look at there i can see a goal great very sweet <laughs> yeah she likes star wars vr though she likes in the millennium falcon that was good she in star wars yeah my mom went to the premiere of empire strikes back there's a reason. I, there's a reason I am who I am. So it's Alex. a genetic. It thing. is. Yeah. This is. Yeah. It's passed on. Yeah. Um, I got to go to the premiere of episode three, and that represents the reduction in 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 value of of life experience from from the boomers to the millennials. It's um, all she could bequeath you. Though. I know. <laughs> um, but no, no. There's a reason I saw Star Wars for someone I was about two, and that's uh, yeah, very much that. But nonetheless. It was nice to be able to give her the gift of a new generation's technology and be like, look, mum, you're on Tatooine. There's many in Falcon. She did care about that. She did care about that. That was not as, that was not as totally meaningless to her as a, as a needy robot dog. <laughs> Shall we have questions from questions? Yes. Excellent. Alex, you looked hesitant. I did, but not only because I wanted to know that it was like a group decision. We were all in on this. I'm definitely in. Should we take a little vote? Uh, there's one here. Okay, great. That's two. 
I hope, was hoping we were going to put a knife in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fight for it. Yeah. Break a pool cue in half. <laughs> you want us to act on your knife fantasies out for you. I want some reference material. You want to draw yeah. us yeah. fighting with knives. <laughs> Make it as cool as possible. And uh, when the game finally comes out and it's like, well, the game's great, but every time I use a knife, I feel like I've suddenly been transported into the body of a gawky and capable man. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> um... Yes, we should do questions for questions. We should also, uh, we've got a smattering of, um, of grudges from grudges. I think the book is going to expand. That's not what happens when you write in a book. This book is getting, it's quite it's leather bound. It's a hefty, mm. hefty tome. Mm. Uh, Pip's not here, but I think I have her authority to inscribe things in her book of grudges, um, that on pen her behalf. Looks, looks very fancy. It is. Yeah. It's a, it takes two hands to, to fully grip it, steer the, its mighty nib. Across the the vellum, vellum of broth. Yes. <laughs> Interestingly, the etymological root of tome uh, has links with uh, the Latin for slicing. Um, you get piece science equipment called vibratomes, which are vibrating knives, which slice things very finely. So the correct use of tome is uh, when it is a slice or a volume of a larger work. Huh. Mm. And now I can leave having educated the both. I love that everything knife comes law. back to you. <laughs> comes back to fast knives. I'm on a theme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. So basically what you're saying is this is a series of grudges, mm-hmm. books of grudges. Yeah. I mean, so when if we refer to a tome, we are referring to maybe a section of the book of grudges. Yeah, like, um, like J to K of the Encyclopedia. <laughs> Grudgenic, yeah. yeah. The UI section. <laughs> I don't know where we ended up. What, what bollocks Latin we came up for it last week. Uh, it all went a bit Warhammer 40k at one point, and I think we're pulling that back. Um, but nonetheless, we do have some some fresh entries, so we should get to them shortly. First up, though, Caroline writes, "Dear Heels and Shoehorn, I would like to play a game where my character could wear a dress. I would most like to play a game where they could wear a blue gown and move like Max Payne, but I'll take anything at this point. Saints Row 4 almost did this for me, but the dresses were a bit leggy, to be honest, and I felt weird. Thank you all so much. It's been a rough few weeks, and your podcast has been a source of comfort, Caroline. Oh, you're welcome for the first part. For the second part, it's a hard one trying to figure out games that have... Well, I I think of lots of games where a long dress looks like a kind of weird lower body board yeah yeah dresses are pretty tricky um uh, especially previously all we've had to do is we've had to animate long dresses um you had to add a bunch of bones all around the rim uh and you need some sort of soft body cloth physics going on uh to really sell uh that long cloth uh but it does mean that we might see a lot more of them in the future I As saw a nice physics catches up. It wasn't a dress, but um, I was playing the Hokkaido uh, level of Hitman the other day, and um, he starts off the level wearing a long kimono, mm. which is you know fundamentally dress-like, and um, that looked good. It flopped, but in a not in a too airy way, mm. so it didn't look too strange when he was sort of running quickly, sort of things. So it wasn't mm. sort of bearing his underneaths too much. But yeah, I, I think maybe technology can point us the way towards a dress-filled future. Uh, it's... You couldn't see agents 45 and 46. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that even means. 
Sorry, I've... <laughs> Derailed that you don't you were saying something no, knowledgeable. No, I think we're done. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There's a few games where you can uh, have like knee high um, skirts and tunics and stuff. I think Dragon Age had good cloaks. There's Journey, of course, mm. PC game. Uh, Near Two uh, has the gothy Lolita robot girl in kind of knee length black dress, which is nicely animated. Um, Hmm. I can't think of much else. Where you order, where you actually get to control it. Um, there's been a few games uh, where background characters who you have a lot more control over, uh, where the player isn't controlling them, um, can have far more ostentatious outfits and long fabrics and stuff like that because they just stand there. That's fine. But... MMOs tend to have some decent precedent for, if not, it's tragedy, yeah. not a lot of dresses so much as. Gowns. Gowns and robes and, and, and things. But at least you can reliably play a character where you can wear a full length gown to, as, or I suppose it's going to be a robe in most cases, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's and, and, and MMOs are games where, I mean, maybe it's just not a technology thing at all. And it's just a representation issue because, because what we're talking about here really is action games and they are very heavily male skewed, I suppose, in terms of, you mm. know, so yeah. it was always possible because like the fidelity that an MMO does, you know, clothing is, is good. Like it has to, it has to be good because you're staring at it for yeah. hours and hours. Yeah. The same thing. Cause I mean, it's also a question of like what fashion gets represented in games, mm. right? It tends not to be dresses or, or formal, formal, you know, formal dresses or anything like that. I can think of, there's a level of Tomb Raider anniversary where, Oh yeah, Lara Croft does some Max Payne style diving around at a kind of evil gala, but she's wearing a kind of very skimpy little black dress. It is a dress, but it's there's not a great deal to it. Um, and I think that probably is is partly because it's Tomb Raider of, of that era, and partly because it's much easier for animators to get around the fact that you know when she runs and jumps and stuff, the dress just sort of gets out the way. Mm. Um, I suppose it's more believable that you could be agile without a lot of... Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. If you're not wearing a... If nothing's going to restrict your movement because she still needs to be able to do all the things the game requires her to do in terms of long leaps and and that kind of thing. But it does let you jump sideways while firing guns at people while wearing a dress, so that at least fulfills some some part of it, even if it's not a lot. Has there been any uh, beat-em-ups fighting games... Because when mm. you just have two people on the screen, you get a mm. lot of resources to throw at them. Uh, but I can't really think. Yeah, like, even Street Fighter. Um, I suppose game. so. Out of there is a, I think there is a, a Street Fighter Five skin for Chun Li where she's wearing a dress. But again, given the nature of that game's art direction, it's not a there's not a lot of dress. Mm. Karen wears like a kind of a dress and tights, and is one of the more kind of realistically dressed or like modestly dressed street fighter women generally, but it's not a, it's a, it's a skirt really, I think with tights underneath. So it's not really a dress in this way. We'll have to hmm. wait for the Jane Austen MMO. Yeah, this indeed. It an issue to solve. Quite. Yeah, you're right. Bring it on. Yeah. Amazing patch notes for that game. No, genuinely they are, they are amazing. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. They're just, <laughs> extremely you know i don't know i can't remember exactly what they are now but it is sort of like well you know tuned harpsichord yeah 
the militia will now return to the Burr War rather than <laughs> hover around after the season is over. <laughs> That's good. Um, I hope that answers the question. It's, um, I reckon it did. Yeah, I think we've, might be, we've rinsed out games for all of their dresses, which is a shame because, you know, to, I suppose, I mean, thinking about it, the games that most re- reliably offer substantial, like, clothing options, realistic clothing options is The Sims, like, mm. you know, and, and that is simply because so, so few of the games really, um, put any effort into representing a diversity of, of clothing. Sims definitely does, but it won't let you dive sideways well. Like Max Payne. Or firing pistols at people. Just lets you eat bacon and tomato sandwiches. I think that could be a very elegant look, you know, the flowing fabric flapping mm. through the air. Yeah, I think it'd be a good look. I think it's very stylish. But you know. Somebody should make that game. There you go. We'll put that in um the the game we're making. Oh yeah, it's so in the dark place. <laughs> In the Dark Place VR action game, you'll be able to wear a floor-length blue dress. Fabulous ball gown. Yeah, indeed. A f- yeah, hospital blue. It'll be <laughs> surgical gown. In, yeah, indeed. Why not? Uh, Jonathan writes. I'd like to add one more annoying instance of unskippable nonsense for the to the grudge book. As is tradition, Civ 6 has your communication with other Civs in a separate screen. The animation of other leaders is well done, and it gives them a good sense of character. However, very frequently they will just grab the entire screen to say, I like your boats, or just fuck you. You listen to them acted out in their actual language, Sumerian is incomprehensible to me, and then it shows a summary of their comment, with the only option being goodbye. It infuriates me to no end. It's half a second's worth of info, oozed out over a minute. While you can speed it up slightly with escape, I can't believe that the poor playtesters who played hundreds of hours of this didn't revolt, which he points out is minus 10% to game creation speed, minus 3 gold. Hey, good. <laughs> it got me thinking, how about this for an idea? When I play RPGs, I start by reading every flavor text and dialogue, but after a while, I always end up skipping through. What if instead you could hit a button at any time for a written or voiced TLDR? And he gives the example, for seven moons we've been plagued, plagued by mysterious, and then you hit the button and it says, vampire werewolves. <laughs> Over there, go. What would your TLDRs be for a quest in a game that you've played? All the best. Jonathan. That's a good idea. Mm, it is a good idea. Uh, a game that did something similar to this was Wildstar. The quite good, mm. arguably doomed from the beginning, MMO by Carbine, sort of like an attempt to just make WoW better, basically. And they sort of um, solved the problem of no one reads all the quest text in WoW by uh, limiting themselves so that the story was told at multiple levels. But if you did just skip through everything, there would always be a tweet length, um, basically little phone call you could get from a character request giver anywhere in the world that would just give you the information you needed. So all of the quest stuff they were doing, they restricted themselves to, you have to be able to put it in a tweet, Mm. which is, you know, there's a bad man. He's got all of our, you know, wing nuts. Please kill him. And then that'd be that. And it actually worked quite well because it means you can, it matches the pace at which you play. So that was a good, that was a good choice. But they still included the big chunks of text that, you Maybe could dig that stuff out, of people read. but it was more optional. I think it was like more like codex entries that would encompass a couple of quests, if I remember yeah. right, with those just individual snippets of like 
almost barks just to drive you to the next actual thing to do. Yeah, because what you get in most games is sort of speak to Alphonse. Yeah, Alphonse. And you go, I don't know why. What, why are we talking <laughs> to him again? Yeah, yeah. How can I tell that he has something for me? Like, just because he's got an exclamation mark over his head. And I'm going to write three paragraphs about my missing pumpkins. <laughs> I think recently people have gone better at solving this, and it's mostly because of codex entries. So they basically flipped it on the head. It's like, go here and talk to this about the um, mass relay or whatever. It's like, mm. would you like to know more about mass relays? Yeah, yeah. So I say yes. Yeah, indeed. You want to read all of that. All um, of it back to front every time you play. But a quest, like my suggestion would be um, Knights of the Old Republic, mm. which like five seconds into it, they could just say TLDR, you are Revan, <laughs> and just cut out a whole load of nonsense. <laughs> That's more like skip to the end than like TLDR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like TLDRing the game. It's kind of one big quest line. Yeah. I guess one of those you couldn't would you uh, would couldn't TLDR would be Bioshock because it's quite important. <laughs> like <laughs> quite important. Just, those... it's, it's just it just says would you kindly? Yeah. Just, just would you kindly just do everything you're told to do for the next twelve <laughs> Until hours. Until the end. Yeah. <laughs> this might be a a bad direction to go in because after like 10 quests being condensed down into kill five of these things kill 10 of these things you might just start losing the will to live mm. maybe we need that facade there i think you need to be i think i think i think you know what is life without flavor that's, that's what i say or the flavor could be more naturalistically you know mm. put into the rest of the stuff so you don't need to be told stuff you could be shown stuff yeah mm. old rules storytelling Give me the flavour. That's what they say. <laughs> Let it all be the flavour. Yeah, why isn't it Take all flavour? Flavor Town. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, TLDR. Take me to Flavour Town. <laughs> what would it what does Flavour Town entail? Is it like is it like in like Avalon? Is it just supposed to be like is it represent like a dream of storytelling? It smells not? of meat, I think. Yeah, I know. I just imagine it being incredibly savoury for some reason. Yeah, really savory. Like it's made of like beef jerky or pepperami or something like with a shitload of seasoning yeah exactly like, it's quite cheesy flavor town <laughs> like, i think i think maybe this is also partly the guy fieri association is driving us to flavor town <laughs> uh, as he is the i guess what the disgraced former ruler of flavor town <laughs> or like everyone in flavor town just desperately wants a glass of water yeah exactly yeah, like just for, want something bland i remember like um, this own. is a total non sequitur and we're, we're drifting further and further away from the meat of this question but the first time i was I went to, to Las Vegas. I was there for a couple of days and I had the most amazing time in my life because it, it definitely fit how much I wanted to drink <laughs> and be surrounded by, you know, sort of lights and sounds and, and bright colors at the time. But immediately afterwards, I went to Seattle, which is a wonderful place, one of my favorite cities on earth, but it's, it's, it is temperate British style. Flavorless town. It, it is gray, right? <laughs> and I, 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 it was so, it was such a really, and you know, I think Seattle, I think Seattle has flavor, yeah. but like if you go there immediately after Vegas, it is like a return to like, I just wanted some ready salted crisps. <laughs> it's that feeling of yeah. flying into Heathrow from Sawyer Sunny and like, it will be raining and yeah. it will be grey. Like that. Yeah, it made me feel very at home, yeah. um, but also very numb, which is a lot like being at home. So this, <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, but that is the, yeah, that, that was, you know, I think, you know, Vegas is one of planet Earth's flavor towns. <laughs> it, was, it was good to get out and of it. Coventry. Coventry. Yeah. Is Coventry Flavor Town? Oh yeah, I've only been there a little. Oh, yeah, been, really? Been, yeah. 
went to a very bland nightclub in Coventry. I wouldn't have described it as Flavor Town, although the club may well have been called Flavor Town because that's exactly what you would call a a nightclub for teenagers in a in a sort of middle English town. Maybe, maybe some of the listeners tonight um, are from Coventry and can tell us a little bit more about. Yeah, its indeed. What, what what are Britain's tastiest towns? Mm. And what are Britain's? What is Britain's flavor town? <laughs> Flavorist town. Flavoriest town. How do we get on this? I don't is know. It, would it be something like Glasgow? Maybe that's a flavorful town. Maybe no, 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 no. No one wants to follow this avenue of inquiry at all. There's no interest in this. Um, all right. Um, in terms of what we're talking about, um, shortened text and get, get video game quests. Take me to Flavor Town. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Please deliver these crates to Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't heard from Flavortown in some time. <laughs> Can you go there and restore the communications antenna? <laughs> restore the condiments. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can, as soon as you complete this quest line, you can fast travel to Flavortown. <laughs> Climb the, the, the highest steeple in Flavortown and synchronize. Synchronize the flavoriest flavor. So you unlock all of the flavor nodes on your flavor map. Mm. <laughs> Just the sound of a fat eagle <laughs> diving into some bins. Oh, imagine the pigeons in flavor. <laughs> God, wretched creatures. The, the, the seagulls. <laughs> the seagulls of Flavor Town is the. Is the the Tennessee Williams play that I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that never was? <laughs> um, what what are we talking about? Um, <laughs> oh dear, I think there's a lot of um, if I was to if I was to abbreviate any TLDR, any, TLDR <laughs> both this and to return us to the question, if I was to pick a quest from a game to the TLDR, it would probably be basically every plot main quest plot in Fallout Three, um, which I would tier. Would, which, which I would TLDR to. Where's your dad? He's not here. Yeah. Shoot some guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everything else is just, you know, everything else is just meaningless. I was trying to, I was trying to remember the Bloody Baron, uh, uh, one, which would, I think, go down to, to bury your baby or no, dig up your baby. I think. <laughs> which is probably a little bit in bad taste, but. <laughs> <laughs> Depends which half of that and whether or not you're at the seaside. <laughs> Uh, I think we've murdered that question, and um, <laughs> I think it's, it's ironic that the the question about don't you hate it when games waste your time? Um, and um, <laughs> oh, that's a good ten minutes. Of and, yeah, it's just, I'm going to call back to it at the end, so we can't cut it. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, Noel writes, "Hi, gang. In this week's episode of Elementary, the American Sherlock Holmes TV show, the murder victim was a professional streamer." whose main game looked to be a Dota-like called Skystrike Titans. He was killed while showing off a new champion who wielded a glowy sword. What do you think is a special innovative mechanic that distinguishes Skystrike Titans from its competitors? Bonus points if this special feature could drive someone to literal murder. Thanks for reading, everybody. Noel. That's a good question. It is. I haven't watched Elementary ever. But I think that's a good name for a game. Skystrike Titans. Yeah. It's completely believable. It's if you totally believable. Skystrike Titans... Amazon Game Studios yeah. 20, 2018. I'd be like, yeah. Yep, Twitch integration. Yeah. I'm there. <laughs> Indeed. Get me the season pass. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, they did. They done well. Like you know, I don't know. I saw some pictures from this episode, and they've definitely um, hired some someone to do some work in Blender to make it look like the game exists. What would the What would it be? I, I mean, I'm. It's got to be totally literal. So therefore, I mean, it's di- going to be like a karate chop coming out of the clouds. You die in the game. You die in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if if someone in a match lobby tells you to to fuck off and die, that actually happens, which would be lethal in Dota. <laughs> I think, yeah, maybe the feature would be things that are said in chat in a MOBA come true, which would be the deadliest <laughs> high risk Russian roulette thing you could ever really enter into. <laughs> Balls exploding everywhere. Oh, God. Cross genre. I, I hope your balls explode. Actually, it's not something I've heard in a Dota lobby, I have to say. And I've heard a lot. Now you can introduce it. Yeah, exactly. People often take it a lot better if you're creative with it, I find. Not that I've had extensive experience of abusing people online, really, but nonetheless. It's good to know that um, television still has no idea how to do video games at all. At all. You think, but it's because because TV isn't content for video games just to exist in a parallel. Like mm. games for us, just they they're just a happy place we go to. Mm. And but TV drama needs the games events to come leak through into real life. Mm. And also to have someone explain endlessly what is going on. You think maybe at some point you'd say, well, there's a lot of ways we can set up for a young internet famous man to be murdered and that for the be the basis of our mystery without having to present something that our perceived audience knows so little about that we'll have to give the kind of that we have to give some real script room to just explaining the rudimentary concept of all of this. You don't have to do with any other context, do you? You say like this young man was in a band and he may have been murdered by his bandmate. They don't have to like back up a bit and say like, okay, well rock music. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Rodolfo writes, and this is more of a a factual kind of um, intervention. I was listening to an episode from a few weeks ago, and while talking about dystopic futures, you mentioned Command & Conquer's psychic dolphins bemoaning their non-existence. I just wanted to point out that actually Israel has already used trained dolphins with sensors attached on them to spy on Palestinian fishermen's activity off the coast of Gaza Strip. Thanks for the little flicker barring. Rodolfo. That's good. You were on that episode, weren't you? I feel better, yeah, I feel better now. Well, it's more that, like, you know, we we, we said, you know, maybe that's the dystopias to live in, but oh no, that couldn't possibly be a thing. So, in a way, it's not a comfort to know that... I suppose not, and also, I'm not comfortable with its use, really. No. If they were, like, helpful dolphins, that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, why why haven't we trained dolphins for any purpose other than war and frolicking? (laughs) They're fascinating. That's what they do frolicking best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Another animal we've ruined. But what about war bears then? Because I think war bears? I think uh, I think Red Alert Three <laughs> had war bears, didn't it? Did it? Yeah, I think so. A Red Alert. I thought. I, thought, I genuinely, genuinely, <laughs> genuinely thought you were talking about real life. Then. <laughs> there, were, there was a bear. There was a Soviet bear attached to a unit in World War Two. Was there? Yeah, there was. Who used I to wouldn't carry want. Ammo, I think. Am- what an ammo carrying bear? Yes. I would be nervous as a soldier that maybe my own side isn't necessarily on my side. If yeah, I'm a yeah. Bear. I mean, you know, we've humanity's tradition to use horses or donkeys for this kind of thing. So technically, there's no reason you couldn't pass off some of those responsibilities to a bear. And it is the most 
Russian thing imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, yeah, I'm with you, Alex. There's a certain degree of like, we've, we've taken, <laughs> we've taken one of the most dangerous animals and we've armed it. The person, the last person to kind of run out of ammo has lost his hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When Boston Dynamics creations finally take to the battlefield, you'll wish it was actual real bears. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the falling over, <laughs> running out of, you <laughs> having to run after them with a great big battery pack. <laughs> but it's better than it mauling you to death. <laughs> because it's forgotten what's going on because it's a bear. And honestly, it didn't ask for this war that it doesn't understand. <laughs> Was it, is the bear, did it wear armour? Uh, fatigues? Did it wear... Did it have a rank? Coarse, not... woolen... See, now you're asking me to commit Battle to dress. This. And <laughs> if it exists, we'll show note it. Yeah. There's going to be a picture attached to it, and it's either going to be like a real uh, picture or it's going to be a comic. Yeah. Or something I've hastily drawn and sent to you. <laughs> yeah, this documentary evidence. Can we commit you to that? That if this doesn't exist, you'll do it now. Fine. You'll do so a, up to a very quick sketch of what, you think it, of what you think it happened. <laughs> Uh, Michael writes with the first of, uh, the evening's full grudges. And he's really getting into the, the spirit of, of Pip's grudge. Incidentally, queendom. uh, mm. I don't think Pip's gonna be so happy with you doing your eyes with a heart for the, for the dot. Well, why? When you're writing it. She's, I don't think she thinks that that's appropriate for the book of grudges. Okay, I've got to make sure. I mean, it's hard enough to do that as it is with this giant pen. <laughs> um, like, the, you know, it's simply the illuminations on the, the fringes of the manuscript are, are difficult enough. That's what Marsh was for. Going to need um, a whole section for meta grudges. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually a whole other, that's I mean, it's a whole other level. Tome. That's another tome. <laughs> indeed. Anyway, first of tonight's grudges begins. From Michael. Your Majesty. <laughs> I greet thee from the snow steps. I'm going to start this again. Don't do alliteration, everybody. It's cruel. <laughs> Your Majesty, I greet thee from the snow-swept wastes of Edmonton, Canada, less than a league from the hallowed grounds of Bioware. Which brings me to Baldur's Gate, a game I remember fondly, except for one barbarian that I still hate. These twenty years later. Minsk. And his damn miniature giant space hamster, Boo. I respectfully petition your majesty to sentence Boo to suffer his remaining days as part of an am sandwich. Your servant, Michael. Lovely am throwback there. Um, I don't know if, if the Book of Grudges has judicial power over the lives of <laughs> hamsters, necessarily. So I, I don't really 100% get this. What was wrong with Minsk and Boo? I never, they never really well, struck me as objectionable. They're a little bit whimsical. Right, very, very the, whimsical. The mad game's got elves is... in it, lads. Yeah, the, I th maybe the giant miniature space hamster was taking it a step too far. Right, but to be fair, Boo never actually said anything. It was all Minsk, mm. so it's a little. Cruel. Yeah, you could say yeah. Yeah, it was all him. Mm. It's mm. a very, it is a very kind of Pratchettian gag in a game that otherwise doesn't really go anywhere near there normally. Exactly. Right? Mm. Yeah. Exactly. It's. That that feels like a classic example of a fun day in the writer's room. Yeah. Which is a, sometimes a fun day outside of the writer's room. But having worked on a magazine team for a long time, <laughs> I know what the jokes are that you cut 
right before the magazine goes <laughs> to press because it's hilarious to you. It's boo. Boo's the joke that you, you cut. cut. Yeah, maybe. The grudge that is scored. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, that's the one you... Um, that is... But I think, think a lot of people do call- like Boo because he's... Of all the characters, and, and Minsk, I think of all of all the uh, uh, Baldur's Gate characters, he's probably the one I see referenced the most. He did get a comic book series. Did he? Yeah, Minsk, Minsk has a comic book. Good lord! Uh, and the the forget Forgotten Realms people doubled down on it, and uh, it's either like a Spelljammer supplement or just a monster manual somewhere that has a giant space hamster in it. See, that's where you know that your jug's gone wrong, that you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. In the office of PC Gamer, we call those jokes drill savages. Um, because of the era a couple of years ago where there was extensive office refurbishment and we had to listen to an extremely loud drill all day, every day. This is probably after your time at Future. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, every day. And we thought it would be hilarious to insert the word drill into the magazine everywhere. To the point of replacing Phil's first name with Drill in every instance. And then we got, like, hours from Deadline. And we were like, this is fucking stupid. No one is going... No one finds this funny other than us. And we have stopped finding it funny. And we've just added half an hour's work to this issue of the magazine as we go back and painstakingly remove every instance. Like, find and replace on the entire mag for Phil and Drill. (laughs) Or Drill and Phil. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that um that gave us the the drill savage which is not to be confused with the delay Thompson. Um <laughs> which is a pun that makes no sense and is <laughs> hilarious in the office but so that that was when we were trying to come up with a headline and vaguely related to this uh, a headline for a short news story about pillars of eternity being delayed back when that was a thing it got delayed by a couple of months and Daddy Kelly turned around and went out oh, completely apropos of nothing delay thompson which is a pun on the name of 70s american sprinter daily thompson british british sorry yeah. i thought it was american right yeah, british printer yeah quite right 80s 80s well <laughs> no one likes a pendant um <laughs> um and um and uh yeah we um and <laughs> it, we thought it was the funniest thing in the world because it makes no sense whatsoever there is no there is no connection between pillars of eternity and 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 decathlon <laughs> sprinter uh daily thompson at all but it made it into the magazine until right at the last minute so that was a combination of <laughs> that was a combination of a drill savage and a what is now known as a, a delay thompson um this is just a little peek behind the curtain of things writers think are funny until right at the last minute when they should probably have cut them and i'm proud of us that we've got a pretty good track record of not committing to that stuff except when we obviously do um which you doubled down on yeah yeah there's definitely plenty of jokes that have been stuck with long past the point where they were funny even to us but yeah um but no i can see boo as potentially being an example of of that phenomena it was a good fun day at black isle or something everyone had a great time oh he's got a massive space hamster and he talks but it's tiny and, he, and he's really hard it might just be the the slightly delayed internet backlash like lots of that's like, is there backlash though? I is don't it know, just us and who? who it is kind of like the companion that everyone Michael. remembers from Baldur's Gate. Mm. So if you have enough people enjoying something, then there will be an internet backlash against. Them. Yeah, yeah, that's that is actually very true. We have to figure out exactly how. 
in what way is Miniature Giant Space Hamster Boo a, co- a consumer rights issue? <laughs> <laughs> but we're a podcast backlash rather than an internet backlash. That's true. So that's more and we're, and we're kind of joking. <laughs> <laughs> but you're quite right that the irony doesn't necessarily travel very far in these circles. So uh, I'll get the change.org petition for his removal Good. and a public apology from Black Isle. Put could, up. We, could we get parliament to discuss it we could put a petition i think we need what a hundred thousand signatures easy parliament should discuss is boo annoying or not (laughs) in the computer game baldur's gate not got anything better to do at the moment tom watson tom watson would be in on that deputy leader of the labor party i can't believe he dabbed he did yeah i heard this this morning i heard i heard on the today program a very you know uptight british voice describing the dab <laughs> over the radio you, you know your you know your meme is dead when <laughs> like when James deputy Nocky leader of the neighbor party Nocky's is forcing <laughs> radio four discussions of like but what is a dab like <laughs> this is this is the this is the state of 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 parliamentary democracy now i think um <laughs> don't know what's going to be next <laughs> Hillary Benn invokes Harambe in a... <laughs> I, I think, I think, yeah, year-old internet memes are the best for Parliament. Where is Flavor Town? How about that, screams yeah, are they paying Jeremy taxes? Corbyn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, you know, do, you, do you know that um, like 100,000 people arrive in the United Kingdom from Flavortown every single day <laughs> in an undocumented manner? <laughs> Trying to escape the <laughs> unending flavor. Terror of flavor time. They just want a they just want a taste of boring cardboard <laughs> tasteless blit Britain. They want a boiled beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just want a piece of unbuttered toast. They're sick of it. But we turn them away. Oh, it's getting a bit real. Um <laughs> Our final um, uh, email and grudge is from uh, Russ, who addresses his grudge uh, to Pip. But as we say, we'll we'll, we'll uh, commit it with the giant pen to the to the book of grudges and all of its tomes uh, in her honour. Dear Miss War, he writes further to your podcast of the seventeenth instant. Uh, which he clarifies is the current month if you are a civil servant in the 50s. Mm. So this is, the, this is the tone we're going for. Mm. I take pleasure in enclosing my own submission for your book of grudges. Replaying Mass Effect 2 recently, I became aware of one of the most minor yet inordinately irritating game design choices it has ever been my misfortune to experience. A large part of this popular piece of computer-based entertainment consists of using lift to move between the floors of your space vehicle like some sort of interstellar block of flats. Moving from floor to floor, the player is treated to a largely orange-coloured series of animations in which a red box moves excruciatingly slowly up and down its space-based elevator shaft for what seems to be a measurable fraction of eternity. I have a solution to this cosmic drudgery, I thought. I recently acquired a fast SSD drive to use for games, so without further delay I moved my installation of said Mass Effect 2 to my new speedy friend. Eagerly I loaded the game and stepped my Commander Shepard smartly up to the lift on the bridge, anticipating the speed with which I would now be able to receive pearls of wisdom from my eccentric crew. Alas, it was not to be. The red box still crawled through its orange landscape, 
now seemingly laughing at my efforts to foil its tedium-inflicting ways. A little research on the internet revealed that this, if you will forgive my indelicacy, arse-clenchingly boring bit of design was a deliberate choice by the designers. The only way to alleviate my misery was to replace the animations with some blessedly brief ones that a kind soul had created. I beseech you, Miss War, to record this vile act in your book of grudges. I remain your obedient servant. Arras! Um... So that's true. The the lift animation in Mass Effect Two, which is interminable, waits until it is loaded, and then it is very slowly gone to the floor you're actually going to before loading it, let you into the game proper, which is done to maintain, I believe, the integrity of the lift. You wouldn't believe it <laughs> if it just dropped you out whenever. You got to believe that Shepard's really there watching the slow animation as it slides towards the thing which is ironic because Mass Effect 1 was famous for its excruciatingly slow lifts that you actually had to stand in while they went down to the place that you were taking you like a mask loading screen and they replaced them with loading screens in Mass Effect 2 only to add an animation of a lift going up and down <laughs> that they forced to complete before they would let you out I'm excited to find out how Andromeda fixes yeah. this or doesn't a new <laughs> generation of lift sequences yeah i guess so i mean it feels like by now we should be able to do this sort of thing without um needing those loading screens because that was presumably a lot of you know 360 generation console based restrictions on how big areas could be and Mm. and so on but ideally i think you would uh you'd think we could do seamless transitions between interior spaces in a pretty small spaceship right 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 i'm sure right and without i don't know anything at all at, like and this is just well, total sure willful ignorance, but this is in Frostbite, which is all about um, big, yeah, big, big. I think interiors will probably be a different ball game than large pieces of terrain. But oh, I mean, John, they could have just puncture our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone would have been fine with the Mass Effect One solution, except it just took so long. And I think there's such a huge backlash against that. They said, right, we'll just give them a loading screen. Yeah, the the end, the lift streaming is tainted forever mm. but if you were doing a game with a lift yeah how would you animate that lift <laughs> john's doing it like so a you half... know he looked <laughs> across at me askewed uh, uh, no, you want me to work knives into this somewhere <laughs> i'm trying hmm <laughs> I mean, there's not much you can do with a box, I suppose, what I was getting It's at. a box that goes up and down, yeah. beyond a certain extent. I mean... Could you do so? Would you have invented something better in the future anyway than a lift? No one likes lifts. No. I mean, you have jetpacks. What about stairs? Just put a big hole in it. Why can't you just walk upstairs? I love stairs. Stairs One are great. thing that's keeping me from, you know... <laughs> my heart keeps continue to vibrate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, stairs and games are great because you just glide up them without getting tired. <laughs> That's true. That would be the biggest pain in the ass. Is I mean, games are perfectly content to simulate how boring and slow lifts are, but they've not yet simulated really what it's like to get up like three flights of stairs and be like, oh fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's sort of like, I got up there quickly. Yeah, like maybe you have a game with a sprint Masking. bar where you hold the button and it drains and the moment you even set foot on some fucking stairs, it just goes away. <laughs> <laughs> or just have it all on one floor, a bungalow in space. Hmm. I mean like, you know, in space, size of your ship doesn't really matter that much. No. But surely it's all about mass. So therefore... 
I mean, you could have a bug it's about the effect of mass, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Absolutely. Why? Yeah. Why do you even need floors in your spaceship? Just lay it all out. Yeah. I mean, obviously, because then I suppose then you'd have to walk a long way from. <laughs> well, I mean, because that yeah. would, that would allow you to construct the spaceships out of sort of modular parts that you viewed from above, <laughs> which is presumably just a million times easier and impossible to. Uh, so are you saying that every game should be heat signature? I guess so. If there's one thing we can all agree on, it's that. Yeah. Indeed. Because <laughs> there's, you know, there's no infinite stabbing. In one point, 0.1 milliseconds. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> 0.1 <laughs> <laughs> You just vibrate rapidly in front of someone and they just turn into salami. <laughs> We need to do you. Which is the customary <laughs> greeting in Flavortown. <laughs> <laughs> Finally sliced, just right for Flavortown. <laughs> what are we talking about, John? You were about to say something, and I interrupted rudely. I was going to say something like, "Let's end this quick." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's probably wise. I've got an appointment in Flavortown. <laughs> that makes it sound like you need the loo. <laughs> <laughs> I literally do. <laughs> Wow. Let's stop. If you'd like to send us a question or a grudge for a future episode of the Crate and Flavor Town, you can email us at questions at flavortown.com. Questions at crateandcrowbar.com. If you'd like to send us a question on Twitter or just follow us on Twitter, that's at Crate and Crowbar. You can also hang out on our Discord channel with our lovely friends. Discord channel invite link thingy is on the top bar of the website, crateandcrowbar.com. You can also help us out by pitching us a little bit of dollar on Patreon. This podcast is kindly supported by our Patreon backers that provide us all the lovely audio equipment you're hearing the benefits of right now. And also maybe the downsides of when we're talking bollocks. But either way, it's you can... modulated yeah, bollocks. indeed. <laughs> Sounds good. Might be shit. <laughs> you can find out more about our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Creighton Crowbar. If you'd like to follow us as individuals, I am at C Thurston, which is C-T-H-U-R-S-T-E-N. John is... Uh, John R-J-O-H-N underscore A-double-R. And Alex is... Rotational. R-O-T-A-T-I-O-N-A-L. Beautifully handled, sir. Sounds like a lot of... It's like the word rotation with Al at the end. We yeah. established this last time. And that's, that's me. Yeah. Rotation. Al. Lovely. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Thank everybody. you. Bye. What? Come on, we can do better than that. <laughs> See you we... in Flavortown. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs>